DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. He's back, baby. Norm Chow joins us now. Norm, good morning. <laughs> good morning, fellas. How are you all doing? Uh, we're doing all right. How are you doing without your beloved Dodgers? You don't have a Dodger oh, game every gosh. day. You know, you know what? They, they, they finally okayed it to be on television. You know, they, they had a big old ruckus about being on TV. Now most of the people can see them and they don't play. So it's been killing us. It's been hurting us. <laughs> Plus the, uh, uh, the, the ocean's closed. How are you getting in your uh, surfing? Well, we still get to walk. We don't get to walk on the beach anymore. They've closed the strand, uh, you know that you know about. But that, yeah. but uh, we can still walk on the, in the neighborhood. So it's been rough. It's been rough. Uh, but you know everybody's going through, it and everybody has to do their part. And hopefully this thing will, will you know, will ease up just a little bit. But uh, people are doing what they're asked to do, and then uh, you know trying to do the best they can. Well, if you can still walk and smell the ocean air, I mean that's something. Yes, it is, and it's been it's been nice over the last couple of days. Been foggy. I, I, I talked to a friend of mine up in in Utah, and it said the other day it was seventy degrees. That, that's that's springtime in the Rockies. So hard to beat. Spring and fall in the Rockies, in my mind, are just so hard to beat. Yeah, it plummeted right back into the forties though. Uh, there. Yeah. So Norm, you uh, you had a you had a run with the you had a run with the XFL there, and uh, we saw the XFL closed up shop. A terrible time to try to launch a new league. I'm selling. I'm sure selling season tickets and sponsorships for next year is impossible in this era. So I get why they've already said no football in 2021. Uh, what was the XFL like? You learned anything? You find anything interesting there? What was your takeaway? You know, you know what, guys, it, it was fun. I mean, you know, obviously everyone went into it a little bit. Uh, What's the right word? Dubious, maybe, but uh, you know, it was really fun, and and I think I was quite surprised at the caliber of football. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, there was some very good football coaches. You know, I, I watched a lot of that AAF tape, and certainly not being critical of that, but but it was a. Uh, I thought it was a little better better played out because there were no rules you know the AF had rules where you couldn't blitz or whatever and and um, the, the XFL just let it go so it was football it was really good football I thought the schemes were good the players were good um, it was fun it really was fun and I am I, convinced that it had it not been for this you know this situation we're in now that they would it would it would have made it um, and I think this guy Vince McMahon you know, he's obviously not a dumb guy. And, and uh, the way he presented it on television, I ended up watching a couple games after this was all done, you know, and sitting at home, nothing else to do. And it was well done. You know, they, they, they got to hear the players and the coaches and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I thought it was presented very well. And, and the surprising thing to me about the whole deal was that the caliber of football was really pretty good. Yeah, why, why do you say you were surprised by that? I find that interesting. Well, because, uh, you know, you, you, you've seen so many of these other leagues try to make it. You know, I watched some of that AAF and, and you know, obviously knew some of the coach of Dennis and, the, and and his gang that ran it up in Salt Lake. And I, I just wasn't real impressed. I thought the, the, the offensive lines were the, probably the weakest part of it all. The, weakest, the offensive lines and the defensive secondary 
which to me are the two critical parts of a of a, of a team, you know. And and I I remember always being told as a young coach that you, you you need two good coaches on your staff: the offensive line coach and the secondary coach. And I think that's true. And so I watched some of that, and and you know it was good. And like I said, I'm not certainly not knocking anybody or anything, but but then when we went to camp and and saw the caliber of players, and they kept upgrading the players, you know, it's no, it was like the NFL. Uh, they kept bringing in guys that's trying to beat out other guys and and that part of it was was uh was interesting uh, i just read where one of our receivers who i thought was maybe our third or fourth best just signed with the pittsburgh steelers so um you know that that's the caliber of players that i think we had Norm Chow, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I always find it interesting when a new league starts up, you know, the NFL is slow. They're very, they're, they're slow to adopt new rules. And, you know, the two-point conversion I thought was a no-brainer, and it took the NFL forever to embrace it. And now that they have, I think it's a good thing. I thought the kickoff, you know, to limit the violence of the collisions, not to give guys a 30- or 40-yard head start, uh, it was odd at first watching it, but I thought it was okay. And I thought the one, two, and three-point conversions all not not kicking, but you know, an actual you know play from the line of scrimmage. I wouldn't be upset if the NFL tinkered with uh, either of those. Did you like those? Hate those? You're lukewarm you on know, them? No, I I um um the uh, initially I thought that like you say the kickoff was odd, but but it turned out to be a a, a pretty good now. They they, they um you know the very it, it, it forced you to return the kick if you will they weren't going to kick it out of bounds because you get the ball up way up there and it did preclude people from getting hurt you know because there's only a five yard distance between the two so i really thought that was a good one but especially the after the point after at first i thought oh man this is going to be really difficult and it was difficult but it sure added a lot to the game uh it, it made you think it made you anticipate you know the head coach um you know the play callers and everybody had to really anticipate what was going on you know whether to go for one two or three and you didn't have time to think much about it but what it did was on offense it, it forced you to prepare a lot more in that well, you know what they call a tight red zone you know from the five yard in five yard line in where normally you prepare two or three two point plays baby you know, to get ready for a game. Well, now you have to have 10 or 12 because not only that, but if the game went into overtime, it was a hockey shootout. That's the one I I, uh, would have liked to have seen played out on television anyway in a game, but it never happened with us. I want to ask some thoughts about college. Uh, You Pac-12, three brand-new head coaches. Now, one of them in Washington was a promotion. The other two... uh, Brand new staffs. You got a bunch of staffs in the in the conference that are bringing on new coordinators. With this quarantine and no spring ball and all this stuff going on, how much do you think that is of a concern to those particular programs? Well, I, I um, I'm not so sure. Now, now, where, where are the three new? Oh, Colorado, I guess has one. Colorado I, I think, and yeah, Colorado and both Washingtons. Oh, that's right. Both Washingtons. Both Washingtons. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Jimmy Washington, Jimmy Lake at Washington, well, there obviously won't be much of a, of a of a change. And then my understanding is Colorado kept quite a few of their their their, their assistants, so maybe that's not going to be much of a change. Washington State with uh, 
with the guy from Hawaii going over there. That might be. But he he brought a lot of guys with him. I I think it's going to hurt. I really do. Um, you know, there's even talk, and and unfortunately, that you know, will they even have a season? In my mind, I think they hopefully they will, but maybe it'll be pushed back a month or so. And if that's the case, then I think the guys would have enough time to get themselves ready. But 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 it's going to hurt because it takes time to put in your system that you want. <clears throat> and um, you know, I I, I I likened it when we were in the when when the XFL by the. When we played our fourth and fifth games, I thought we were really pretty good. And when I look back, you know, the NFL has four preseason games. And the fifth game, they're they're ready to go. So in college, you know, you always have a couple of non-conference games to get yourself ready. So if they have to get themselves ready if the season is shortened or they get right into conference play, I think it's going to hurt. And the Utahs and the people that have guys coming back, I mean, you know, understand the system, I think will make a huge difference. I really do. UCLA is one of them, I think, that, that they finally figured out what Chip wants it. I think they're going to be pretty good. So I think most people are seeing the Pac-12 South as uh, two groups, USC Arizona State and Utah at the top, and UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado at the bottom. Do you think UCLA belongs more to that top group than that bottom group? Uh, I do. I, I do. I do. I thought they were playing pretty well. Now, now they, they, for whatever reason, they get a lot of guys that transfer out, and so that may hurt them. But, uh, you know, just, just on paper, and I saw the way Chip was, was playing toward the end of, you know, of, of last year, I think – I don't know. I, I, and that's a good question. I don't know if they would be up there with USC and Utah, but they certainly would have a shot at it, yeah. So you look at the Utes, obviously they lose Tyler Huntley, right? And so they've got this kid, Cam Rising. He's up uh, by the uh, Magic Mountain area. He goes to Texas. He doesn't play. He transfers. He's on the team last year, but he has to sit out. So he's been in Ludwig's program for over a year. Then they get this grad transfer uh, from South Carolina, who started 33 games, but he's coming over here out to Utah because he had the connection. Ludwig recruited him when Ludwig was at Vanderbilt. So they were going to have this competition in spring ball, and I think they got in three practices before they had to stop. And so see what happens in the summer. I'm wondering for you, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator are going to have a significant say in who ends up being the starter when we get to that point. If it's close, do you go with the younger guy knowing that he's going to be around, or do you go with the older guy and even though you're only going to have one season with him? Personally, I would go with the older guy. I would, but that's just me because, uh, you know, they're probably a little more mature and, and have a little better understanding, a little, a little better, a little more experience in the ball game when, you know, it is, there's nothing like a ball game. You know, practice is practice, but when you get in a real ball game with the bullets flying and, and all that kind of business, I think I'd take the, the more experienced guy if they were even. You know, if the if the young guy had a lot more more ability, you know, he, he, you'd put him in because he has a bigger upside because he's going to be with you for a year or two. But I would try to win now. I don't think you need to worry about down the road any because, uh, you know, all that matters is the game that you're playing next. You know, you referenced the fact that the season might start a little late. Uh, we had Mark Harlan um, 
the AD at Utah on uh, Talking uh-huh. Sports, and he was talking about how the Pac-12 ADs are working on five different plans. He didn't go into what they were, but we've subsequently heard more interviews. Obviously, one plan is starting on time. One is maybe condensing the preparation, but starting on time. There's the conference-only season. That's what you said about sliding it back to October 1, but still squeezing in the games. But what's come out is that one of the plans is, hey, if you can't play it in the fall, these athletic departments need the revenue that comes with football. So... As a one-off, you play in the spring some combination of you know late February, March, April, May, some, some combination in there. What kind of problems would that pose for football coaches? I mean, they'd have to adapt if that was the plan, but what, what kind of hurdles would that put up? Wow, I, I, that, that's interesting what you said. With, with that, that's, that's interesting thoughts. I, I mean, you, the coaches can adapt. I mean, I don't think that'd be any big deal. You know, if they said, okay, we're going to start on this date, then, then coaches would go to work on it, preparing and making sure that they were ready and, you know, how, how, how we're going to handle two, uh, preseason camp, how we're going to handle this, how we're going to handle that. I think coaches could do that. I think they need some lead time. You know, I, I would feel badly for the, for the other sports, the spring sports, you know, the baseballs and track and field and those kind of things. But, but you're right. I mean, football obviously drives the program and then, and they'd have, they, they want to make sure and get it in. I, um, you know, I've always been very optimistic that this, this world's going to get back to normal someday. And, but, but boy, it's getting close. And I think the NFL and college football have, have real reasons to be concerned. But uh, I think you could adapt. I, whatever, pro, whatever they decide, uh, I'm sure that the coaches could adapt very easily. Yeah, with that in mind, you know, obviously they didn't get the spring ball and the off-season conditioning and workouts are in jeopardy. Would you add more time to the training camps before the start of the season? Well, you know, you'd think you'd have to. I mean, these, these, these young fellas probably haven't lifted a weight in a, in a, in a month, right? I mean, they've missed it. Yeah. You know, spring ball is spring ball. There's a, there's a lot to it. People are very cautious now anymore in spring. But it's that it's that weight training and that the conditioning part to get into football type shape. You know, you do what you don't do in spring practice because you're going to lose it. But it's the off it's the weights and the the running and the, those kind of things that get yourselves ready. So I think, yeah, I think that 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 part of it. They're going to need some time, no question about it. Uh, the football part, the scheme part, you know, it's going to take a while regardless. So I think the other part is what you need to be concerned about to prevent injuries and pulls and, you know, those kind of soft tissue type injuries. I know you always, uh, and you already showed this with UCLA, you're always following the programs down there. And I think there's a lot of... Uh confusion maybe up here about USC, how good they're going to be, Helton's chances of making it through this storm at USC. You know, wins and losses matter a lot. Is is he going to win a lot? Is he going to win the biggest games? Is he going to make it through this? And is he going to be a big hurdle for Utah and Arizona State and, and maybe UCLA too this year? Uh, you know, I, that, that's a heck of a question. And, and and you read about it in the papers. It's the reason you follow it. Is that it's all over the news. And it's, it's, it's a little, what's the right word, shocking, if you will, that Clay is back. And, and then he, uh, you know, fixed his whole defensive staff up a little bit. And, in fact, a couple of guys that I knew were let go. Um, 
And you're right, but the 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 the, the upside of USC is this this talent. There's always going to be talent there, and the recruiting is so is so critical. And and USC has the ability, as we all know, to recruit the top guys in the country, and and so they'll be good regardless, kind of deal, if you will. But but I understand they open with Alabama. You know, they were scheduled to open with Alabama, and that would you know maybe be a I don't know. A start is something you know, not what people would want. But the, the, the USC deserves to be where they're at. I mean, they're, 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 their fans are uh, uh, absolutely amazing. They're, they're they're very supportive, and they'll always be good. Like I said, they always should be good because they're, of their ability to recruit. Now, you know, Clay's a good man. I mean, he's trying to hold it together. Obviously, wants it to happen, and, and we'll just have to see. But their schedule doesn't lend, uh, you know, a lot of optimism right now. So they did change coaches, obviously, on the defensive side. And one of the guys they brought in, uh, Vic Suoto, and uh, obviously you know him and probably recruited him out of high school, wherever you were at the time. And he went to BYU, coached with Bronco back in Virginia, and now he's going to be the defensive line coach. And he said he lives down there by Highland in Manhattan, and he's expecting a dinner invitation from you. Is that something you think you're going to follow through with? (laughs) You know, you know. I don't know if I know the the the, 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 the young man. I I I've, I think I've heard the name before. Um, I understand we will we'll go to the same church when when that starts up again. But I I can't tell you that I I, I know him. I don't know if I I'd see him unless you know. Now Chad, the guy he replaced was a good friend, Chad Kaha. Um, and then uh, they replaced a linebacker coach named Johnny Nansen, who'd been around for a long time. Uh, and and Greg Burns, the safety coach, he and I, I mean, the secondary coach, he and I coached together when we were at SC. And he left to go in the NFL and went back. And he only had a year. I think Chad only had a year, too, before they let they let, uh, they let let him go. So they let three of those guys go that were very good recruiters. And, you know, I thought very good football coaches, but they brought in a new coordinator, and he was obviously allowed to bring in who he wanted to bring in. But, but to go back to uh, the D-line coach, I, I, I you know, I, I guess we'll meet someday, but right now I don't, I don't know who, who he is. We can certainly go to dinner because there's a whole lot of good Polynesian places to eat out this way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't. I, I don't expect with all the XFL stuff that you're following recruiting down there that closely. But sometimes you know about quarterbacks, and the Utes just got a, uh, a four-star guy, Peter Castelli, out of Mission Viejo High School. That's a, a little bit away from you down south in Orange County. Have you heard anything about him, or is that uh, just a name on the wall and you don't know? Well, no, no. You know, I read about him, and I, I tell you what, uh, he comes from a. You, you, you know the history. I don't know if you know the history, but Mission Viejo for the longest time was coached by a guy named Bob Johnson, mm-hmm. and yeah. he put out quarterbacks every single year. Mark Sanchez, his prize pupil was 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 Carson Palmer. Carson didn't go to Mission Viejo, but uh, he worked with Bob. You know, off the field. I mean, outside of school as his personal quarterback coach. Bob coached for a long time and tremendously successful. And he had two sons that were quarterbacks as well. So that school is known for producing terrific quarterbacks. Now, uh, Bob retired, had a couple of health issues, and retired in, in 
what would it be, 17, maybe 18, and replaced by another Johnson. But no relation, Chad Johnson, who also has a reputation uh, coming from St. John Bosco High School as a quarterback coach. So I think he's he's probably, I don't know much about the young man other than I, I, I would guess that he's very, very well coached in high school and, and, and would be very much uh, ready to play when it's his time to go. But, you know, those those commitments that are made so far in advance, there was a study done once, right? I, I don't know if you guys remember, but they, it was a, it's a high number, of, a high percentage of guys that change their minds when they commit so early. So I, I'm sure Kyle is excited about it, but I'm sure in his mind he's thinking, hey, we're going to have to re- keep recruiting guys because uh, whether this guy keeps his commitment or not, you know, remains to be seen, I guess. But uh, it's yeah, I, I heard, I heard that name. I've heard that name, and I also know that I, I, I would bet that he's been very, very well coached. The quarterback position has always intrigued me because a couple years back they got another kid down there. I think uh, more towards San Diego, uh, Jack Tuttle's a four-star. He doesn't even play it down before he transfers, and he goes to Indiana. He gets beat out there. And we see it now. Jordan Love, they're debating from Utah State, where should he go in the first round, and is he worthy of a high pick, low pick, whatever. you have any particular reasons why it's hard to figure out the success rate of quarterbacks when they make the jump from high school to college and then college to the NFL? Yeah, I, I think if somebody could figure that out, they'd have it. They'd have a pretty good. They have it made pretty well. I, it's hard. It's hard. I think you need to know, you know, because you can only take one. You can't go recruit three or four quarterbacks. You know, you 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 you, you know, all through the years. I remember, Dick. Uh, uh, we did a little podcast about BYU football, and you know, a long time ago. And I, remember I was thinking back. Robbie Bosco only went to um, BYU after Sean Salisbury decided to go to USC. Does that make any sense? You know, he, he yeah. waited around. He wanted to go to BYU, but if Sean went, I think he was going to go somewhere else. Cal, maybe. I, I don't know. I can't remember the way back. But I do remember the situation. So quarterbacks are hard because you can only take one. And then if you mess it up, you, you're, 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 you know, your line, whatever, the lineage, you know, gets, gets, there's an interruption there. So you can only take one. So you really have to study that thing, I think, and not only just watch tape and all that and watch and get these four star threes, all that nonsense, but you have to really get to know them. I think you need to when you recruit them and you get them on campus, you need to spend time looking at tape, finding out how much they know. Yeah, almost like an NFL deal. You have to find out a lot about them and and, and the type of person that they are. I, I'm I'm rambling on a little bit, but I, I, I a lot of people have not a lot of people. People have asked, you know, what, what does it take? How how do you get to be a quarterback? And you know, and and I I've always commented that that uh, of all the quarterbacks that we've had the good fortune to coach and work with, the one ingredient that we had was they're all good people. They're good guys. They're good leaders. They they get along with their teammates and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's critical too. So you need to. You know, you need to study all that stuff before you make your decision. What is the guy that, there was a guy that uh, Lane Kiffin, I think, recruited in the eighth grade. Um, And he ended up being a wide receiver. So can you tell, you know, he was in the XFL draft. In fact, Sills, 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 man, or something like that. Anyway, uh, so it's hard. Long answer to your short question. I, I think it's very difficult, and I think you really need to do your homework when when dealing when trying to recruit a quarterback. Well, the one the Utes just got, uh, Peter Costelli, is also being recruited by uh, Oregon, Nebraska, and LSU. So you're right. 
Kyle and his staff are not done recruiting. A verbal commitment's yeah. great, but you can't just you know turn the page and move on. You gotta you gotta stay That's with it. That's right, and it's it's a long ways away, and nobody nobody knows that better than Kyle, I'm sure. Well, Norm, it was great to catch up. Thanks for checking in with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it, it is fun. I miss you guys, and uh, all the best. Uh, it's probably tough to find news, is what I told Jake. That's probably why you all gave me a call, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Take care and all the best, and um, you know we'll, we'll all see ourselves through this and, and, and get a chance to watch football again. Norm Chow, former Utah and BYU offensive coordinator, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Zero Res. Right now, there's nothing more important than clean, and that's why Zero Res is reducing their rates to help as many people as they can. Schedule Zero Res right now for just $25 per room. Minimums do apply. Call Zero Res at 801-288-9376 or check them out online at zeroresaltlake.com. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It is true that we didn't speak for a while after this, but we did spoke a few days ago. And, you know, like I said, we both ready to to go out there and try to win a championship for this team. You know, it's it's not about being a professional and, you know, everyone got different relationships. Everyone got, you know, it's never perfect. Uh, married, people that are married, you know, it's never perfect. So, you know, me and my teammate, no, it's not, it's far from perfect. But at the end of the day, we both want the same thing and it's winning and, you know, and we both grown men and we're both going to do what it takes to win. Rudy Gobert right there did an Instagram live interview. So we've heard from Rudy. We got a lot of feedback. We can get to this in the next segment. There are a lot of people that are falling into kind of three camps here. There's people who are hoping for the best but fearing the worst. We got people who think it's totally a media creation, which I think is laughable, but whatever. I'm in the media. Of course, I think that. But (laughs) as PK would say. Uh, And then we got people who think it was a problem, but now it's okay. Uh, there are some people who are like, it's okay when we hear from Donovan Mitchell that it's okay. He was the guy who was supposed to be irritated, so if he says it's okay, then it's okay. It, it well, was- I think that I even take it a step beyond that. It's okay when I see them out on the floor balling out, trying to win that particular game that evening. And when you're in the moment, uh, whether I like you and you like me and we're uh, one great ham- happy family, as my good friend Barney would sing, uh, I don't really care about that, but if I see that you guys are doing everything possible, whatever that means, to win the ball game, I think ultimately that's what matters the most is that they are, as he said, Rudy said, you know, they're both about the same thing. And you have to, it, you, you really have to have everybody about the same thing, particularly in this sport where it's, it, it can get real ugly because guys can get concerned about shots and that type of thing. And so then you end up with st- 
standing around, and we've all seen that, you know, the ball stopper or whoever that might be, Kamal Anthony, it seemed like he was the poster child for that. And then guys, they get sidetracked from winning. And that's what I think that has been great. One of the great things, if not literally the greatest thing about the Jazz organization, is that it's been about winning. And if you weren't concerned about that as your number one priority, then we don't really want you around. It's about winning. And as long as that is the focus, then everything else takes care of itself. But if you have somebody worrying about, well, I got to get mine, and you know he's not screening for me hard enough, he's not throwing me the ball, then you get sidetracked. So you can say whatever you want in the interim as far as we can work it out. You know, if you say forget it, well, then that's a big story unto itself. But talk about what Rudy's saying now, it's a nice step. But when you get out on the floor and when you reconvene for practice leading up to it, if you're not about winning and that's not everybody's primary objective, then you got issues. We know with Joe Ingles, when he was playing five minutes, when he was playing 35 minutes, it's about winning. If he's getting 20 shots, it's about winning. If he's getting two shots, it's about winning. He's proven that. That's what he's about. So I got to have this, these two and everybody else be about winning because that's the only way you're going to win. And once you start having issues onto that main issue, then you have a problem. Fact. Everything you said. Winning. Winning. Focus on winning. And we'll just have to judge it when we see them play. Uh, there are people out there, and we can get this coming up, who are saying, well, we'll see when they get to their contracts, which... You know, I think that is just something that if you are in one of the smaller markets and one of the colder markets, you're just going to have to sweat because people aren't beating down the doors to go there. They're headed for bigger, more glamorous places, and they're headed for warmer places. And really, they're also headed to partner up with another big-time star they think they can win with. That's that's how this is going. And obviously, they're sweating out Giannis Antetokounmpo in, in Milwaukee. And it'll just, you know, whoever the biggest star's in, whatever colder or smaller cities they're in, will always be looking at what is the contract situation like for uh, teams like Miami and the two L.A. teams and the Warriors and maybe some of the Texas teams. It just seems to be the way it's going. So yeah, you just have to sweat but- it out. That's just part of the deal. At the same t- on the same side of that, LeBron left Miami, mm-hmm. and over there in Los Angeles, they're wondering, will Anthony Davis resign? They are. Absolutely, they are. Uh, I mean, that is one of the subplots of the NBA waiting to restart, is that the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks. Uh, they all, you know, they look like the three best teams in the NBA. By record, you would think, and by the experience of their players, you'd think they'd win the championship. And whoever wins seems to have a better chance of keeping their team together. Whoever loses seems to have a worse chance. As you pointed out when we discussed this earlier in the show, well, the Bucks might go down the Toronto road where they do win the title and have the parade, and then the thing gets broken up anyway. And it's obviously a little tricky with the Lakers because even if they win, how much longer can LeBron stay at a high level? Now, maybe the thing would be, you know, to sign a two-year deal and maybe get another good year or two of LeBron. And maybe in that year or two, you know, the Lakers bring in another star. There's been a ton of speculation about Antetokounmpo to L.A. So, you know, who knows? So and to that degree, you're in the same boat as everybody else. 
Um, maybe you're in a little better boat because you got a little better players than most of the smaller, colder weather teams. But well, that, some people are in yachts, some people are in dinghies. I think that's what you're trying to say. Thank you, Captain. Uh, <laughs> We talked with Steve Cleveland about it, and his whole thing when it comes down to shots is that rears its head all the time. Do guys like their roles? Do they think they're in the right role? That is nothing new to any coach or any assistant coach to have to help to work that out. So, uh, you know, if you don't want to deal with that, you're getting in the wrong profession because he said, you know, you run, you run into that time after time when you're coaching. Yeah, I think you do at every level of basketball too. Yep. Uh, other stuff we have talked about today, uh, Matt Wells, who recruited and coached Jordan Love at Utah State, told ESPN he's talked with seven NFL head coaches who have called him in recent days doing their homework on Jordan Love. One of the, uh, one of the stories that we'll all be watching in the draft, where does Love go? How far does he fall? Does somebody trade up to get him? Is he a first-rounder? Is he a second-rounder? You know, the unknowns. It's, uh, when you see him throwing the deep ball, when you see him picking defenses apart, when you see him standing on the hash mark on one side, throwing the ball to the sideline on the other sideline, you think, that's an NFL guy right there. The fact his interceptions tripled, the sacks doubled, the coaching staff changed, nine offensive starters changed, the running game wasn't as good, the head coach and OC were different. Uh, NFL coaches are trying to figure out how much of this was Jordan Love in a new system struggling and we can get him in and get him settled in and be fine, and how much of this is teams starting to figure him out. And did he work as hard? Did he, why didn't he progress? And they all have to evaluate that. I think we all think at the end of two rounds he's going to be gone. But how much earlier is he going to be gone? And what kind of situation is he going to go into? Oh, yeah, that all matters. I mean, I can't answer any of those questions because I don't know where he's going to go, who's going to take him, and who knows. You know, as we said, it just takes one team to do something out of the ordinary, and then everything goes uh, sort of in a chaos mode here. So who knows what's going to happen, and then particularly in this situation this year, which is unlike any in memory as far as no pro days and the lack of individual meetings and face-to-face and all this type of stuff. Obviously, you can still do a ton of research and homework, which actually maybe it might even be better because they're not focused on getting out on the practice field, and so maybe they have more time to really, really research. And, you know, Matt Wells, who coached him, obviously, has already spoken about how the number of teams who've reached out for him. But the great thing about it, if I'm Jordan love is I know that I'm in. I'm in the club. I'm going to get my opportunity. And then it just ends up to be what I do with my opportunity. It's like what Pace Mannion said a couple weeks back with his kid and his kids coming out and he didn't have the season that he wanted to down in Arizona. All right, all that, that's over now. I mean, you didn't have the season you wanted to, so be it. Well, now you're going to get the opportunity. There's no doubt about that that youngster is going to get drafted and he's going to have his opportunity to make his mark. And as Pace said, from here on out, it's up to him. And I love the way Pace said it because he didn't say it like a dad. He said it like a talent talent evaluator. It's up to him what he does with that opportunity. And it's the same thing, as it is not with just Jordan, but all of these kids. Jalen Johnson will be a high pick and Terrell Burgess and so forth and so on for, for Utah and Woodward up there at Utah State. Uh, we'll see if Nalia, Nalia will get – he may not get drafted, but he'll get an opportunity himself as an uh, – 
undrafted kids. So you all get all you want is that opportunity, and Love's going to get that. For me, I mean, I personally don't care where he goes. He's going to get that shot, and then what you do with it is what's going to matter. That's what matters the most. We talked a little football this morning. The Utes getting a four-star, a verbal commitment from a four-star quarterback, Mission Viejo. We talked with Norm Chow. Norm didn't know the kid, but he knows the coaches. He knows the tradition and history at the school. And uh, Peter Castelli, who apparently is running a 10.82 100-meter dash. I have been told he has more straight-line speed. Uh, If he gets in the open, he'll take off and they won't catch him. But he doesn't have the elusiveness and the side-to-side, the wiggle, as coaches like to say, of uh, Tyler Huntley. So a little different in that regard. Uh, But he's been recruited by LSU and offered scholarships by LSU, Oregon, and Nebraska, among others. So there's a lot of guys looking at him. Two trends, PK. One... That's four four-star quarterbacks the Utes have had on their roster now. Uh, well, when he's on their roster, he's a verbal commitment at this point. But the transfers, Cam Rising and Jake Bentley, were four-stars. Uh, Tuttle, who was in and then was out pretty quickly, was a four-star. They're not all going to pan out. Clearly, Tuttle's not. Uh, but you got to assume if they get enough four-star quarterbacks, they're going to end up getting some high-end play from somebody. And then you wanted to make another point. There's another trend building that bodes well for this Ute staff and Ute fans. Yeah, it's not about uh, any individual player. It's about acquiring a bunch of quality players, particularly from down in that area, the hotbed of recruiting in our side of the country. And the more success you have, the more it becomes, quote-unquote, cool to go to Utah. It's not an alumni. Oh, he went to Utah? What are you going to Utah for? No. It's, well, yeah, of course you're going to go to Utah. I mean, you decided that that was the best for you, and so I don't really bat an eyelash. You know, probably kids from Florida – Wow, you're going to go to Utah? You get that type of response. I can understand that being that far away. But I don't want that from Southern California, for Utah or BYU, Utah State for that matter, to think, you're going to go there? That's unusual. Why are you doing that? No. It's going to be, oh, you're going to Utah? Yeah, I get it. Congratulations. Uh, Best of luck to you. You're going to have a great time. Get up there and, and kill it. That's the mindset that they need to have. And the more you can recruit successfully from there and have high-profile players, the more the message is going to get back to those kids. Well, yeah, of course uh, I'm going to go there. And if this kid, you've, you've memorized the kid's name. I forget it from one segment, and it's Peter something or other. Uh, I'm not as jacked about it as you are. <laughs> We're going to get the kid on tomorrow. I mean, you demanded that he be on today, but I guess he's busy. Uh, to me, I just took it in stride, thinking, uh, well, we'll see. Uh, who knows what's going to happen. I'm not going to assume. I could have 10 four-star quarterbacks. I'm not going to assume any of them are going to be good until I actually see that they're good because I've seen so many kids who had the high star ranking and don't mount to anything. And conversely, I've seen uh, kids who have no star rank or two-star rankings. Alex Smith, ASU, had a kid back, uh, Taylor Kelly, a few years back from Idaho, and he and he played on a team that won double-digit games uh, a couple years in a row, I think 30 games games in three years and you know he wasn't any big star rating so I don't assume anything when it comes to this position but I do like the fact that they can gather some momentum to where it's understood that the better kids in the area 
absolutely would consider Utah. Not all of them are going to go, and probably even half of them aren't going to go. But the more that people, well, yeah, I've got Utah on my list, just like I got the two L.A.s, I got Oregon, whoever it might be, particular to that individual. Yeah, of course. That's, of course I would consider Utah. And then they end up deciding what they decide. But as long as you have more kids consider Utah, then the likelihood of you getting a bunch of talented kids to actually commit to Utah, in my mind, goes up much higher. DJ PK, that's the stuff we've been talking about today, and it is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The Big Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Is Easter a big deal around the Monson household? Oh, yeah. Dating right back to the time Gordon cheated at the Easter egg hunt, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cheating little See, kids out of Easter egg. I, oh, I was a little kid. Did you or did you not cheat at an Easter egg hunt and deny another kid from getting said Easter egg? As I was lining up, someone came over to me and said, I know where the gold block is. It's under the big tree. I think I broke the record for fastest discovery of the gold block. Well, you cheated. You sound like that's <laughs> something you're proud of. I set the record, guys. I found the... The golden block, the fastest out of anyone. Nobody's robbed more banks than me. <laughs> Turn this out. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Time for your feedback. Brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Got a lot of people uh, tweeting at us about the uh, what they watched over the weekend. Molly's game, solid nine out of ten. Great story. Have you seen Molly's game, PK? I have not. No. I was pleasantly surprised by that. You like people in their stories. There is a big sports angle to this about the whole motivation. Uh, I think you'd like it. It's worth. It's definitely worth a look. I uh, saw it on an airplane. wasn't planning on seeing it, and ended up uh, pleasantly surprised. Bill watched. I watched the horse competition on ESPN. Painfully bad video and commentary, but hey, at least it was basketball. Something people will take anything right now. I did watch it. Yeah, myself. It wasn't great, but uh, what the heck? It was better than nothing. I think that Mike Conley and his uh, easy yak. We okay in there? <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't faded out completely yet. Yak scared himself with that. You should have seen the flinch from him. Got the headphones a little loud, Yak. Well, I always have you guys a little up, but when music <laughs> like that, that'll get you real quick. Uh, uh, Horsepower says he watched Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 over the weekend. Big time recommendation for Ocean's 11 if you haven't seen it. Ocean's 11 was fantastic. 12 and 13 didn't really do it for me. I well, think most. Why not uh, 8, 9, and 10? Uh, there is no 9 and 10. They did make Ocean's 8. I, I tried to watch it. It didn't do it for me either. Ocean's 11 is the one. That's the one. Uh, we got plenty of people tweeting at us about Gobert and uh, Mitchell. A lot of people want to believe and do believe that everything Gobert is spot on and that it's going to be fine. There are a lot of people waiting to hear from Mitchell, and other people are waiting for contract negotiations to start. Uh, Julie, Gobert alluded to things is not great. They hadn't talked till Saturday. Hopefully going forward, it continues to improve. Uh, there's one thing that I vehemently disagree with on Gobert. He said that marriages aren't perfect. Speak for yourself, buddy. My, <laughs> wife, my wife is 100% satisfied. I'll just leave it at that. 
Jeffrey says the issue's never been Gobert having an issue with Mitchell. Until Mitchell comes out and says uh, something, there is reason for Jazz fans to worry. So Jeffrey's going to keep worrying. There you go. I think worry might be too strong. I mean, concern, certainly. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. Hans has been tweeting out about ready for the BYU bibs to come back when football comes back. That That's a bridge too far right there. The bibs, that was... That's a shudder moment? No. No bibs. Don't, don't do <laughs> Who that. Who cares? Bring the royal blue back. Bring football back. Because if yes. football's coming back, then that means a hundred things are going right. Right? Exactly. All yeah. right. DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are up next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.